2: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the defense against uh, the Eagles in that first preseason game. Uh, A lot of stock up, stock down, individual performances from that. We'll talk about the game itself, some of the uh, ways that the Ravens improved their chances, let's say, to uh, lengthen the streak, which now is at 24 games. Here to talk to me all, about all that stuff is Alec Poulianis of One Winning Pod. Alec, how you doing?
3: Doing well, Ken. A very interesting game. I was excited to see it, see these uh, backups and see how they produced. And uh, it, it they they made it interesting, you know, a one-point victory. Uh, could have been more. Obviously, we were in pole position to kick a field goal or, you know, have a go ahead touchdown if we needed it, but um, yeah, it was it was an interesting game. I think the reason it was so interesting though was
2: because of uh, injury and people on hand. Yeah, I, there's there's certainly there's there's some shorthanded positions in this game in particular. The safety position immediately comes to mind, and I kind of uh, was out in front of that a little bit. I, I predicted that Daryl Worley would be the dominant player on the field in the second half, and what do you know? Uh, he certainly uh, took over the ball game then. Uh, but they had they had a lot of uh, uh, individual performances that I think give a lot of hope. And they have some others that probably are not as credible as we'd like to think they are in terms yeah. of, uh, of what happened in this game. And I, I'm sure we're going to get into all of that. But let's talk about the streak to start with. Now at 24 consecutive games, uh, a... A formula that had been tried and true for the Ravens for many years now is leaning on their defensive depth, where their ones were usually better than the other team's ones, their twos were almost always better than the other team's twos, and their threes were head and shoulders above the other team's threes when it came to defensive depth. Other teams just can't match the Ravens, and that's why when you're looking for an outside linebacker, an inside linebacker, a a defensive lineman, you often go to the Ravens' practice squad. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with the injury bit. They only suited up nine defensive backs for this whole game, and on a normal game where you have way less people activated, they usually
2: have what seven or eight DBs. I, yeah, I, say I, th- least, I think yeah. more than that. I, I I think you'd let me. I have to. I have to really go through this and for a typical game, whether you might have five and three or 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 yeah, it it doesn't. Like seven is too low. At least eight. Yeah.
3: I was thinking it's eight, so like there you go. They have one extra, but like almost fifty percent more roster spots, which kind of tells you all right. you need to know.
2: Yeah, it's certainly it, uh, uh, it. It was not a game they played without six of their thirteen corners in this game. So uh, I had the whole list right in front of me. What I do with that? They had played without. Let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, of course, Rocky Yasin. that's their top two. Jalen Armour Davis not sure what ended up being wrong with him he hasn't played well in camp but I but I'm not sure what ended yeah. up being wrong with him for the game I didn't hear about an injury but there probably was one uh Pepe Williams uh was inactive now he, he may be lost for the year we don't know exactly how long he's gone for I don't think the the word has come out about that yet so, yeah, so just be speculating Trayvon Mullen of course is, is expected to miss the season now and he's on a Reserve NFI list, so they'll have to they'll have to work that out. And then Arthur Mullet, who came over from the Steelers, fighting for that slot corner position and uh, being an active for this game, reportedly has some sort of hamstring issue. So that's usually referred to it as soft tissue, and and it's yeah. typically this time of year, more often than not, when you hear soft tissue, it's usually a hamstring issue. It can be other things, but that's the most likely. Right. Yeah. Jad
3: missed like one practice before. Um before the game and they didn't really comment on it, but they did talk about the overall lack of depth at the corner position. That was the same day that Pepe went down and it's so unclear what's going on with him. I know obviously the Ravens aren't keen on talking about injuries this much uh, anymore, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, he, cause some of the words that Harbaugh said suggested that it was an injury flare up or something they already knew and like, he'll be back. But then also like, it looked really bad. So <laughs> I guess we'll see. I, I, Don't love the idea of of him missing another year. I think uh, he was already almost on the bubble. And now uh, it'd be really difficult for him to come back, I feel like.
2: I'm sorry, were you talking about J.A.D. or Pepe there? I'm sorry, Pepe
3: there for um, him being on the bubble. I feel like J.A.D. is going to get a shot. um,
2: And we'll see, though, at this rate. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, It really is interesting because the corner depth is now the one thing that if – all the rivers converge here uh, might have, might force Hamilton back into the slot corner position. I really hate the idea if, um, if they're doing it just for that, but uh, on the other hand, you know, they've got pretty damn good safety depth right now. And I think that they're, they, they keep getting basically whacked with a baseball bat uh, in that direction right now uh, to, to, you know, reconsider Hamilton at slot corner. Potentially. I mean, like you said, the safety depth's looking
3: solid. The safety is give you some uh, more confidence than the slot corners will at this point. But um, I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm thinking it could definitely happen. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think similar to you, I'm just hoping that something changes in the next couple of weeks where we feel more confident about somebody at slot corner. There were signs of that might be happening. But the players that are giving us those signs have had years to do it. And I'm not, I'm not so sure this is going to be the year. Um,
2: so we'll see. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we, the, we've the we had a lot of things go right in this game and some things go wrong, but I agree. Ardarius Washington is now in his, I think he's in his third year, right? He's not in his second. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, third year. Uh, but he played pretty well and played in a versatile role, which I think very clearly improved his chance to make the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the, when the, competition is Pepe and Arthur Mollett, it's not impossible for a really <laughs> top preseason game like this to actually be of, of significant advantage for him. And, and you know, he, he made one of the really big plays in this game. He you know had almost had another sack off the edge. He had other uh, good plays in the game. It wasn't a, a perfect game by, by any means, but um, uh, Washington is a guy I think who comes out of this game smelling pretty good. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. He definitely, I mean, that was one of the guys I was referring to where he definitely had a great game. Um, I just, I'm worried that he's not going to be good enough when the talent level is top tier, right? Like if he was, if we were playing the actual ones of the Eagles would he have been able to keep up and not be the liability in the, the guy circled on the field that they wanted to attack. And that's, that's the issue. Uh, I do think if you move Hamilton down there and you put Geno stone back there or even Worley, it's not the same equation um, where there's a clear gap in the defense, and that's what's most concerning.
2: Yeah, that's fair, and, uh, and I think you know, Ardarius Washington has a lot of things to prove. Uh, I I like him in that he kind of reminds me of Corey Ivy, who mm-hmm. played for the 2006 Ravens, short guy uh, like Ardarius. Uh, in theory, he could, Ivy could play a little safety, he really played all over for that Ravens defense in those years when they had a lot of injuries at cornerback and he was moved around a lot, but his best year was 2006 when he played slot corner and, uh, was just, uh, a demon in terms of his ability to get all over that field to create havoc and, to, uh, create, be involved in turnovers on a very regular basis. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm still hopeful. Ardarius was a like Keaton Mitchell this year was a priority free agent, a guy that really went after hard with a lot of their their budget for Mm -hmm. UDFA's, and they got him and they've managed to keep him so far, Uh, even though he's been I think he's been on the practice squad for a fair amount of that time, but uh, he's he's a guy that I think uh, you know the Ravens right now they're pretty darn happy they still have him after that game he had. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's
3: definitely a player
2: that, with his play, deserves
3: a spot somewhere in the NFL, I'm sure. So if the Ravens do not find a way to prioritize him on the 53-man roster, I'm confident they won't have him this year. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I think he's playing well enough, and he's been lingering long enough with our team that he's kind of established himself in that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and he, may have, he may have shown enough, even just in this game, to get another team interested after after what he's done, let's go back to the streak itself. Though twenty four consecutive mm-hmm. games and defensive depth was what it wanted for him all these years, and then we got kind of sidetracked on the on talking about where the defense <laughs> wasn't really deep, it clearly wasn't. Um, what wanted for them in this game was a lot of playmaking in that second half on defense and a lot mm-hmm. of second man to the ball skills. So, uh, second man to the ball skills showed up best on the fumble and the recovery. By the way, great play there by welch that kind of went under the radar welch pried the left arm of brooks right brooks was the fumbler uh, mm-hmm. off the football brooks didn't get it back on and that allowed um worley to punch that ball free for the uh the the big fumble that uh, they got him out of one mess. and then they of course had uh, a great four down stand inside the 10 yard line uh to uh, uh to stop the Ravens after their own uh, fumble by Prochet had turned it over, Stop the Eagles after Prochet's fumble had turned it over. Yeah, that
3: was huge. Uh, Very disappointing fumble there by Prochet. Uh, Definitely a huge disappointment uh, for him, and and I'm sure uh, will really hurt his chances with the team going forward. But I was uh, very happy to see the defense stand up and make sure that we didn't pay on the scoreboard. Um, I think the big thing that I saw – and what kind of got us down that rabbit hole with our Darius is, while we didn't have um, the depth, you know, like uh, our thirds were better than their thirds, we had no one else to play. So we ended up playing our our best players essentially the whole game in the secondary, and they progressively right. became the hammer. And near the end of the game, they were just dominant. Um, so Seymour Stevens, our Darius, and Worley, like you mentioned, played so many of the snaps. Um, They've really sucked out the oxygen, which was a little disappointing to me for some of the other players I want to get a little bit more of an eye on that, you know, they played so many snaps. There wasn't enough to go around
2: for these other players. Yeah. So just to, just to lay that out, Worley played all 75 snaps. Mm -hmm. Washington played 72 of 75 Seymour, 63 and Stevens 58. I'll just say those numbers are unheard of for the Ravens, particularly in preseason. I mean, first of all, you want to look at players if you have them to look at, but you know, the Ravens, I think what, what got me a lot in this game is how late they went to their secondary set of corners. They got Swan in there for a few snaps, and he was terrible. So that was yeah. that yeah, was uh, you know part of the problem. But then they, they got their, their later guys in, and Kelly did not look bad in this game. It was against the end of the, the Eagles roster that he Correct. got in because he just got in in the fourth quarter. Um, and uh, the other cornerback that got in late was Mayfield. And Mayfield had had some mm-hmm. success in practice, and particularly in the last week to 10 days, I think he's looked pretty good. He had an interception, I believe, in the ninth interception pick day. Um, and I think he, he might have had another one uh, in the period since, but at least he's he's had some plays in the period since that have looked pretty good. There haven't been a lot of total interceptions during that time. Um, but. Anyway, Mayfield is a guy I expect to see a little bit more of in this game. Kelly, I wasn't sure because Kelly hasn't really shown all that much in camp, but he did in this game look pretty good, I
3: thought. I agree, Ken. I was so curious about Kelly. I had my eye out for him all game. You know, basically all the rookies, any guy that's been turning heads at camp, the guys I had noticed when I've gone out there. Those were the guys that kind of had circled. And of course, like you're, you're open to other players too, but mm-hmm. there's only so much you can watch on the field at a given time. So once Kelly came in, I was staring at him. That's like basically all I watched. And he looked really good. And I was like, man, I wish he got more snaps earlier. And it made me start thinking, are they trying to hide him? Are they trying to cut him and get him on the practice squad? Um, I feel like it's a little dicey for a draft pick. They don't normally do that kind of thing, but they did do it with a running back, which is not obviously a corner and they have such corner problems. You wouldn't expect them to do it. But
0: I, I was Beatty. You're talking about.
3: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With Beatty last year. So I'm just curious to see now what they're doing with Kelly I hope he gets more run with the ones, honestly. I hope he I hope he starts next week just to so make it – get, get a better idea of what he has. But um, very, very surprising he played late. I think it's a little damning, but at the same time, he looked good. So I think he earned himself a little bit more of a look next week.
2: Yeah, it, it is – one of the things about preseason is just how important context is. And the question is, mm-hmm. do you really elevate somebody in class over a single preseason game even when they – because the, the context is very small, Kelly. It was about – so a handful of snaps. I want to say 15, 17, 17, yeah. 17 yeah. snaps. So first of all, there's not a lot there. And I did have two positive coverage notes in that period of time, which is nice. But also you think about what's happening with a fourth string quarterback in the game for the Eagles with their, you know, threes and fours in the offensive line. It's really threes. Nobody carries fours, but the threes <laughs> on the offensive yeah. line uh, out there, the threes on the offensive line have absolutely zero in the way of continuity. they barely played together in camp. They don't know you know, how to react to each other. They sit in the same meeting rooms. They've got that in common. They probably know what sodas each other like. <laughs> but but in terms of, of you know what cues to take on the on the offensive line, I I don't I don't think that's as easy to to deal with. And then you've got a, a competent adversary like McDonald who's still trying to scheme up blitzes towards the end of that game. If pressure becomes a lot easier to come by. Mistakes become a lot easier to come by. And the patient spider that is Daryl Worley will make you pay on the back end. For those kind of mistakes and uh, that was why he was such a huge advantage very much like last year geno stone in that first um preseason game dominated the second half in fact it really looked to me like the ravens split up their safeties in a levelized talent approach this is last year to Mm -hmm. to get a a huge advantage in effectively the second half of the doubleheader so you him a doubleheader to, right. to get stone on the field as, you know, just the best player who's out there at all. And, you know, you've got this patient playmaker and they moved Jefferson onto onto the first unit as strong safety. Now, part of it is obviously, they had two free safeties. They had two guys they thought were strong safeties and they just wanted to divide it up that way. So that Hamilton go in the first half. And I, uh, sorry. Yeah. Hamilton, I think it was Hamilton and Jefferson in the first half. Uh, but anyway, they, this Ooh. year uh, it's actually a very similar thing in a sense that Worley is still available in the second half, but he played the whole game. So <laughs> right. it wasn't like they're, you know, they're trying to get somebody else uh, in there to, to take his spot.
3: Yeah, I, I also noticed that it kind of goes back to the, the streak. It definitely felt intentional to have, they're like, oh, we really want to see more uh, Josh Johnson, but then pro bowler Tyler Huntley is going to come in and then the offense yeah. is going to look way more efficient against these threes and twos. You know, like yeah. that, was, that was, when he came in, I was like, this is total gamesmanship. I thought he might not play at all that because yeah. he hadn't kind of been in the start and then he came in i was like this is this is this is a street protection if i've ever heard of it you know yeah, <laughs> that, i agree I, uh, <laughs> I
2: i thought that was the case and johnson at camp by the way it's it, it's not clear who the number two or number three quarterback oh, yeah. is right now johnson yeah. is getting a lot of those second team reps and uh at age 37 that is a fairly damning indictment of huntley mm-hmm. okay that, that a guy with a one and eight career starting record who's played for an NFL record, 14 teams is, uh, you know, threatening your job when you're a fourth year player, that's not a good sign for you in, in, in terms of that. But it also reflects the fact that the Ravens don't own any of Tyler Huntley's future. So if he mm-hmm. were to have a big year this year, they don't own any, any part of the future. It's just a matter of who can do more for them this year. It's about the same cost either way. Uh, might even be a little bit less in terms of what they'd have to pay Johnson than what they'd have to pay Huntley. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, it's, it's a, you know, anyway, it's a, the Ravens don't gain a lot from, um, uh, from having Tyler Huntley be their quarterback, but he certainly looked like the better of the two, uh, last night.
3: Right. No, it wasn't surprising to me that Johnson started. I agree with you from what I've seen at the camp. It's, it's not clear who's going to be the number two quarterback, but, uh, I did think when he came in the second half, I was like, okay, well this, this, this feels promising. Uh, I feel like he's going to be able to make things work. And honestly, uh, the wide receiver depth now is so outstanding after all these additions that, um, you know, we had guys out there that were, were starters last year for our backups. So I thought the, the that number was, two, you're talking
2: about like Treadwell or somebody like that is in the game light.
3: Uh, well, Treadwell, but also like Duvernay was out there uh, pretty mm-hmm. deep into the second quarter. Um, and I think he may, maybe played in the second half. I'm not sure, but um, you know, he, he's a, he was like a number one receiver at one point last year. So uh, he played well, obviously. And, um, I thought it was it was it was cool. Um, the way they they their depth, I thought was interesting. It kind of felt uh, it's about to be some of the streak, and also uh, just because they had kind of level players otherwise.
2: Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit because this is important. The order of deployment mm-hmm. is is very central to to thinking about that. But Duvernay and Flowers are both gone after two drives. So Duvernay's last okay. play was his touchdown grab. In fact, I think that might have been his only target the whole night. But it was, it It was, a yeah, yeah, it was, it was, that was his play and a great, by the way, great play for him to, to, you know, be back shouldered there, be at the right, exactly the right spot to to catch that football. Same thing with uh, with Wallace was just a terrific, this terrific throw, good trust in the receiver. And he came through on it with just the losing the DB at exactly the right time. See the DB had his head down, by the way, on that Wallace (laughs) touchdown. (laughs) You You love to see that in an opponent. Uh, and then let's see Wallace ended up playing for the rest of the first half into the first drive of the second half. And then they had a lot of their, a lot of their number twos who got like one target, uh, got in there. So the guys who had like one target are Dante Dimas, uh, number 81. That's Tariq black. I believe he had one target. I think Treadwell had one target. Um, Wallace, I think had more than one target. Uh, Shamar Bridges is the other one who had one target. And so a bunch of those guys were 0 for 1. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, the, the, the I'm not saying that their their group wasn't pretty good. The guy who kind of really stood out, obviously, was Sean Ryan in terms of getting the football a lot. And the tight end, Vokalek, who mm-hmm. they really would have preferred not, probably not even have Kolar in the game at that point. But they uh, they left him in for some of the second half. So uh, they did have a little bit in terms of receiving options. And Vokalek is, when you think about if you're a young quarterback or if you're just a, you know, Anthony Brown or or you're just a backup quarterback, even vocal is a nice, easy target. He's big. Oh yeah. And he's huge. And, yeah, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, he's a great guy to throw to if you, if you want to try and Soft hands, defense, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he's a, uh, I,
3: I said that before the game started, some people were being total degenerates and wanted to play DFS to uh to preseason football and I was like honestly if I had to pick a tight end in this matchup it'd be Vokalek. I, I felt like he was gonna have a big part and then sure enough he was he contributed a lot but I guess we'll get back to the defense we can talk about the order of operations there let's uh, let's do in that players.
2: so yeah the, the the a little surprised that Adafi Elway played a snap in this game I think he played one exactly because I think he started the game and then came out and was not seen again I did try to look for him but I'm not sure that he let me just see if there's anyone. No, I must have missed it because uh, Adafi Adafe Owe was did not play a snap in this game. He did yeah, not I didn't start. Think he did. No, okay. no, it's okay. He was on the sidelines and and uh and dressed in street clothes. So normally they don't dress out of their uniform to into street clothes. It can happen, but normally mm-hmm. they don't do that. Anyway, the the uh Ajabo playing 20 snaps in this game was a mild surprise to me. I mm-hmm. guess they wanted to get him a little more live fire. The guy has not played too much against NFL players. Uh Not all that happy about the way it went for Ajabo, particularly in terms of uh, what he accomplished, in terms of setting the edge, in terms of containment of the quarterback on some on some pass plays. Uh, I had three negative containment notes on him uh, from this game uh, on the run. And the the point I want to make is that Ajabo, if, if you know, they're playing him as if he might be the starting Sam linebacker from what I can see in camp. So they're 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 he as much as Oa probably they're on the field together typically and you know they just they're not going to get much out of that side defensively if he's out there on early downs I, I mean it looked more and more to me like from this game last night that he's a situational pass rusher
3: it was a disappointing performance for sure by Ojabo he wasn't doing the little things right that you have to do to be an every down guy kind of guy um like you said he wasn't saying the edge well over pursuit um I felt like in general, uh, and I, this was backed up when I, I chatted with Jason earlier from Huddled Up Films, that the pass rush moves were lacking most of the game. It seemed like it was just they were pretty straight much straightforward bull rushes. I don't know if that was intentional, uh, but none of the Dr. Rush, you know, is any of these guys going to have some creative moves? I remember uh, Dalen Hayes with those dip moves that he was doing uh, turning some eyeballs in a couple preseasons ago. We didn't see anything like that from any of our pass rushers. Um, and yeah, I, I I was a little disappointed for sure that Ojabo played snaps and then didn't produce. Um, mm-hmm. Just felt like a bad combination, <laughs> you know. Okay, you're gonna play. I hope that you know show something positive. Um, but not not so much. And I I bet you after that performance that he plays some more in the preseason, which is a little bit playing with fire considering their depth. But I I wouldn't be surprised.
2: I mean, he has a little bit of stuff to work on. It seems. Yeah, I think that's, I I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, You know, we may not see Owe at all in this preseason, I guess, but Ajabo, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's possible we'll see more of him after, after what happened there. Uh, Definitely we'll see him in the, in the live fire practices this week, which I'm really looking forward to um, as being uh, Mm -hmm. another good test. It's not exactly a preseason game, but it's sort of like a preseason game. By the way, those days, I'm, I think I'm going to stay on the defensive side and watch that. I'm not going to, not going to-
4: say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. Buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: at the offense but the great thing about those joint practices is you've got both both sides going 11 on 11 at the same time on two separate fields. It's not like, you know, if it's Ravens oh, against Ravens, well, yeah. it's only on one field. So this is, it it creates a division of attention that's difficult to get information from both at any at any kind of depth. So I'm I'm going to try and stay with the defense for uh, for that day. But uh, uh you know, we saw some other outside linebackers we will get to in a little bit um but uh you know Malik Ham was a guy who showed up and to your point about a lot not a lot of great pass rush moves i'm not sure i completely agree with that i think Malik Ham did some things i think Sanders did some things but i, I think they had some things the, the guy who really showed up with his hands looked fantastic this year is Travis Jones yeah and oh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to talking about him a little later but that guy has an unbelievable, unstoppable rip move. Let me just call it that. If he, if he gets his arm underneath the, uh, uh, the, the arm of the offensive player, game over. He's, mm-hmm. he's got him beat. And uh, uh, just, just, I don't think there's anybody nearly strong enough to deal with it. He had it literally looked on, on, on some of the reps where he, where he you know, used his rip move. It, it looked like the, the offensive line one wasn't even trying. I assure you, he was. It was, case, it was, a, it was very much a case of, uh, uh, you know, he was in no position to stop it. And, uh, and Travis Jones is a very strong dude, so uh, impressive.
3: Yeah, no, we'll definitely talk about him later. But uh, I, I appreciate your pushback, though, your on the, the pass rush moves because, unfortunately, my DVR failed me. So I really am just going off of what I saw last night um, at the game. And maybe, you know, I missed something. So I appreciate it
2: let's talk about inside linebacker a little bit. Um, now there's another position where they stayed a long time with Malik Harrison and with, uh, Phillips who, Hey, they've been, they've been playing all right. They both look like they should make the team at this point, but I'm also not that thrilled that they play three quarters with those guys before you get some of the other players on the field. And they had Ross and Welch to look at where the other main two would not have been unhappy at all. If Ross and Welch played the whole second half, uh, In some ways, hey, maybe Welch is playing for his own job against Ross. Even in some ways, that that might be. But whatever the case, you want to showcase Welch. You want to trade. You know, have a trade of fourth-year players. You want to maybe get a conditional seventh for him. uh, You know, get him out there, showcase him a little bit. There's no way he's going to stick easily on the Ravens practice squad because the. That player gets poached because he completely understands your special teams, not just because he is a good special teams linebacker. And what I mean by yeah. that is, if you use the Patriots' method, you you pick up an opponent's <laughs> linebacker, even if you have to carry him, carry him for three weeks, because he'll tell you all about the, the the special teams for and and what their you know signals and calls are and whatnot for for the coming opponent. So it's a uh, it's an old trick, but if Belichick continues to do it, then I believe believe me, other teams will do it as well. And the Ravens re- represent a difficult opponent for a lot of teams, so it's a it's a it's a very natural uh, move. So Christian Welch is not really safe on the Ravens practice squad if they were to leave him there.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, it was an interesting decision to have Phillips and Harrison play as much as they did, blocking out the sun for for Ross and Welch, particularly. Um We saw so much out of Ross last year. he was one of the darlings of the preseason mm-hmm. games. Welsh has obviously been a special team's contributor and ace for the team for you know they, they always had him active over guys like Ojabo, you know obviously different positions, but they decide that his value was m- more important, I guess for the overall team and yeah, now that you have those guys playing late in the game, not having an opportunity to really win over uh, coaches, it wouldn 't surprise me at all if they find a place on another team just because they i mean for welsh he's he's proven that he can stick around a roster in the nfl
2: yeah i'm um, is you know the, the problem with Welch is there's no more sand in the hourglass so as a fourth year mm-hmm. player you don't have any more cheap years left after this year everything going forward is a is a uh, market value year now the other side of that coin is that if you want a guy to be a rotating two-year-at-a-time defender with a $200,000 bonus above vet min paid for that second-year option effectively, you couldn't find a better guy that, that right. he's... I, I don't know. Okay, I won't... I don't <laughs> no, want to say I that because I think the Ravens talking. actually can find a better guy. But the, <laughs> sure. But, the, but, but he's a guy who contributes to on defense. Mm -hmm. and also really completely understands your special teams. And, you know, they did the same with Anthony Levine, with Albert McClellan for years. The problem is Malik Harrison is probably a better bet on this team right now in terms of a guy who could do more for you. He can play outside linebacker, inside linebacker, special teams. If he doesn't get a two-year, four-and-a-half-million-dollar deal from somebody else, then I I think he becomes an NFL survivor with the Ravens, and he might end up playing here for nine years, for eight years, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, with the rest of his career coming in very much a McClellan-like set of contributions, so it'll be interesting. It'll be it be an interesting decision for Malik, and a, and and kind of a tough one because he's a third-round draft pick. I'm sure he wanted to make a lot of money coming to this league, but who doesn't, you know? Sure. <laughs> and then when it doesn't work out, do you just kind of admit to yourself at some point, I'm going to make five million dollars roughly over the next four years, and that's going to be enough. Because uh, that—that's you know—that's where the offer is, and and the guys at the end of the NFL roster are trying to make the fifty-three, and a guy like out there right now might be Brent Urban, you know, a guy who's, who's not a hundred percent sure to make the team, uh, but if he does, it's you know, it's another one point two million or one point three million, roughly, in in terms of this year, and that is not an insignificant chunk of earnings relative to his football earnings, and it is a hell of a lot of a significant chunk of earnings compared to the rest of his lifetime earnings and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: no, I, I completely agree with you. I think the Ravens have positioned themselves with um, Malik Harrison as, like you said, a third-round pick. Uh, now drafting Simpson to you know push back one more linebacker to have some kind of tough decisions to make about their inside linebacking uh, unit. And Malik Harrison is probably going to now be delegated, like you said, to a, a survivor in the league, unless someone else wants to give him a chance as like maybe a, a, a top depth piece. You know, I don't know if anyone would really want to pick him up as a starter at this point, but they'd probably pick him up as a top depth piece. Maybe be able to compete if there's an injury, show something, and then maybe do something more. But it won't be here. There's too nobody's many people paying in front of
2: inside it. linebackers these days. No. One. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's like the running back and the running back thinking, well, I, I, maybe I don't need big money. I just need a two-year, four and a half million dollar deal. There aren't any of those. You know, good, good yeah. luck finding that if you <laughs> if you if, if you think it's out there, because and the guys who get those are are guys who. I um, think they're on a one-year prove-it deal, but there ain't nothing to prove to anybody because no one's going to really spend big money on them. Mm-hmm. So they end up, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is in terms of a few position groups. If you're angry about the running back structure, <laughs> first of all, listen to the pod that I did recently on that. I want to want to yeah. try and sell that again because it's a really good one. But, uh, but the, uh, the running back uh, uh, position their problem is really with the, with the rest of the NFLPA's constituency and the NFLPA themselves and how they're treated relatively. And also the fact that the four-year contract structure just doesn't work for them. The, the, the starting four-year contract structure is one where they spend the highest percentage of their career value of any position group toiling for lower wages. And when they finally, uh, you know, have the ability to be freedom, they have less gas left in the tank. All right. Well, let's, let's keep talking about some things here. Uh, Ravens very, very shorthanded at outside linebacker, obviously, for this game. We talked just a, bit, a little bit about Ajabo. They obviously didn't have They didn't have Bowser. Uh, and the guys they did have, I thought it was a fairly refreshing uh, night of watching outside linebacker play. Between Jeremiah Moon, who played some quality snaps. Uh, We saw Malik Ham play some quality snaps. We saw Kelly Sanders definitely play some quality snaps. And the other one was Tavius Robinson. Kind of an interesting uh, night for him. Not dissimilar to a Jabo in terms of really showing out as a situational pass rusher more than a run defender.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to do some work. I noticed that in camp and it continued during the – uh during the preseason game with Tavius. So you know, he'll need some more refinement. We knew that he was a bit of a project coming in, so that's not terribly surprising, but mm-hmm. you're always looking for
2: people to be a little bit ahead of schedule. I will say, oh, go ahead. I mean, I, th- I, I hope he gets on the field this year. I hope he can play on passing downs. Um, I, I don't think it's obvious that he's a game day activation. He'll definitely make the 53, but I don't think it's obvious he's a game day activation every week. Uh, where he is right now, but the Ravens are shorthanded enough at outside linebacker that he probably is, and he's probably in there um, on um, obvious passing situations uh, over some defensive linemen, but it it really looks like the Ravens might have two guys on the defensive line who could give him some juice as pass rushers right now. be kind of a shame if they didn't get both of them on the field uh, unless you really think you can get something out of Tavius. Yes, I am uh very optimistic about what we've
3: seen. You know, obviously we said Travis Jones had a great performance. We know Matabique and Washington are two solid players on this team as well. Um, I think you have picked two of those three in there, probably Mata and Travis Jones you want the most effect on pass rushdowns. Uh, but you still get that that beef. You know, they're still not they're not uh anything to sneeze at. if they do try to uh, you know, run or surprise you on a draw play or something. I mean they're They're good uh, quality players that will really allow the outside linebackers and pass rush specialists to get good opportunities. And I'm I'm very excited about the uh, the prospects of of that kind of four man rush. That's exactly what it takes to win in the playoffs. You know these quarterbacks are too good to if you bring an extra guy they'll they'll usually know how to exploit that. So I really think you got to win with four, and those are a solid four.
2: Yeah, it's a great point because the Ravens rushed a lot off the slot at our Darius. Washington in the backfield, they had some exotic schemes where they they sent extra. Philadelphia, all four quarterbacks, as far as I saw, were excellent at finding the hot read, but particularly Mariota and McKee were right on it in terms of going to the hot read when they got blitzed. And uh, that just ended up being uh, not something that worked easily for the Ravens early in this game.
3: Yeah, and it's one of those things that, It doesn't necessarily always work in the NFL uh, Mm -hmm. during the regular season. So definitely looking to find the best four-man pass rush possible. I think it's really important the Ravens figure out who those people are and what rotations they wanted to do uh, to to make the most success on those critical high-leverage plays.
2: All right. One of the things that we talk about pretty much every year, but it happened again last night, is that we never really see exotic personnel packages. In the preseason. Now mm-hmm. they played, as far as I could tell. Now I do I we do personnel by series. So it's a little different than I do during the regular season where I have participation by play, but mm-hmm. I did not see a single instance where they were out of the base or nickel package. So every substitution that they made in this game was some combination of cornerback for a defensive lineman. So it's usually a slot corner for a defensive lineman or some within the position group exchange. But they always had two inside linebackers. They always had two outside linebackers. uh, And they always had uh, two safeties, although there were players like Washington who played both safety and slot corner.
3: Yes. Yeah, I noticed it too. That was one of the first things that came out on nickel. They were in nickel a lot. And every once in a while, they would come out and base, you know, and that was that was it. Like you said, I I was paying very close attention. I was curious to see if we see any dime. I mean, they almost never do that in the preseason, but I was wondering if they wanted to see more of these, because we were talking about, you know, we weren't seeing some of these corners that I wanted to get on the field. So I was like, maybe maybe they'll find a way to put them on that way. But no, um, just very vanilla in that perspective. Two two packages the whole way
2: okay actually i've got a way to do this here they got 116 no it's they I, I, they had 75 total defensive snaps warley played 100 of the snaps and that was 75 they had 58 snaps from phillips 58 snaps from harrison 17 snaps from welch and 17 snaps from ross so they had exactly two inside linebackers on the field every single play and i i don't once you have two inside linebackers there's almost no possibility that you'll play any kind of a uh, oddball package out of that. That should be obvious, but maybe it's not to, 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 to some folks. So, yeah, so I don't think there was a single snap where they didn't were outside of anything but base or nickel. Let's just put it that way. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Uh, a uh, little bit of a problem with missed tackles in this game. Obviously, some of it was um, a matter of losing containment on the edge. There's a lot of problem with that. Uh, multiple players were involved, but a lot of problem with. Um, getting containment. The Eagles have a bunch of running quarterbacks, a bunch of guys who like to take off out of the pocket. You make a mistake and in your pass rush, you leave your lanes open. They, they'll they uh, attack you aggressively for it. And they also tried to attack early in this game with a lot of misdirection against the edges.
3: Yeah, they did. And that was a concerning bit for me. Obviously, you know, not the stars are playing in this game, but this is um, something we've seen in the past with the Ravens. You know, bad tackling. Um, missing their first opportunity to get a player down and they go off and get several more yards, maybe a difference of a loss of yardage play that really changes the outcome of the next couple play calls or, and then converting one a first down. So definitely want to see that cleaned up, uh, you know, giving up these first downs is very troubling.
2: Yeah. Um, they did. They had, I'm trying to look back to that very first run by Mariota where it was just one of the best fakes I've ever seen. It drew in, um, Malik Harrison from the run side. So it was the, the run side was the left side, and Mariota handed the ball off to his left. In theory, the running back took the ball, dove into the line on a on a third and one, fourth and one, whatever it was, might have been fourth even. And Mariota took off for a big gain left uh, off of that. But uh, there was there was there was biting when there were fakes. There was um, rushing themselves out of a lot of run plays uh and that was it wasn't just a jobo it was tavius robinson did it it was uh kelly sanders even had a play or two like that although he he might have been the best uh, run setting edge that the ravens had in there uh, multiple players made mistakes in this way it wasn't any one guy uh and and that that is something they're going to need to take some time really look at and, and try and get right even if David Ajabo is the primary one they need to get it right for because it's going to be Adafe Away and him for a lot of this season.
3: Indeed. And it makes me wonder, you know, when you see that kind of consistency throughout the whole team, if it's a it's a coaching philosophy problem that they need to like really kind of focus now on setting the edge. You know, maybe they've been spending too much time focusing on getting after the quarterback. And I mean, like you said though, not the best um, you know, way to go after the quarterback. If you break contain against modern NFL quarterbacks, they're going to be able to run. And get themselves a first down or at least, you know, solid yardage. And that's just not acceptable. Um, unless it's, you know, third and really long. Uh, that's just really not acceptable. And that I think that's uh something that really needs to be worked on. Every time I see an pursuit, you know, we're I think we're spoiled, right? I mean, we have the best running quarterback in the whole league. When someone over pursues Lamar, it's it's death. You know, he like, just yeah, goes yeah. off. Yeah. And um, but then you guys, guys like Mariota who are no slouches, you know, they're number ones hurts another excellent running quarterback. So you just got, you have to be really mindful of that in today's NFL, not to over pursue. And, uh, I think that will definitely be a, a focus in practice.
2: Yep. I agree there. Um, what else we need to talk about before we get onto some individual stuff? So the streak lives on. We're uh, we're thrilled about that at 24 games. Where are you? How important is the streak to you, Alec? Well,
3: let me put it this way when it breaks, I'll be extremely disappointed. Um, just because I think the Ravens are really good at, at at preseason games for you know, it's just their their depth is something that they're really proud of. They build a team in such a way that they they always talk about they want to have great depth and be able to contend every year, and I feel like that's this is a little bit of a byproduct of that. So I want to keep seeing it, and I mean honestly, I was really worried about this game. I think the Eagles are a team that are very smart about their draft picks. I mean, they had a phenomenal draft. We saw some yeah. of those players against us, and I uh, definitely, you know, just I was a little worried about them maybe being able to beat us. And obviously, it was a close game. So we'll see going forward the rest of the season, but. To me, like, obviously it doesn't actually matter, but I think they're lying to say it doesn't matter to them. They definitely care.
2: Yeah, if, if you're not extremely jealous of the backup defensive backs for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, you, you got a problem. But that Keeley Ringo in there. He was playing pretty late into the game. They had uh, Eli Ricks in there. Um, those are guys who could do the Ravens an awful lot of good. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ringo was a guy that I really loved in the draft. And, we wanted uh, the third round.
3: We were yeah. like chopping at the bit, and and yeah. there were some guys in the fourth round we liked a corner. I mean, don't get me started. That's not what the show's about, <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, but like
2: it is. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be a storyline. It's going to
3: be a storyline, honestly. You know, looking back when you do the three years later kind of thing of all those corners we thought were good, were they? Because um, that the Ravens didn't think so. They they passed on so many of them, and yeah, yeah that's. I'm, I'm very curious. And like, like you
2: said, they had two of the ones I liked. So I'm just like, all right, I was paying attention to that. <laughs> so some of the thing is you chase a market down. And so like I, I collected baseball cards. I really don't do it anymore, but I still have it. Um, is, the, is the idea that you, know, you you have a price in mind for something and the price keeps going up and up and up because more people want the thing. And you, you just if, if you don't ever pull the trigger, you don't ever get to, get to own the thing. Not, not that it should really be that important anyway the price should actually sober you up in terms of what a lot of these things are but it, it was like that with the cornerback markets the price just kept going up and up and up in terms of the of the draft capital teams were willing to spend on them in this draft that the ravens never got into the bidding war i mean was, they, nobody ever dropped into their price range properly and it started right off the bat with freaking emmanuel forbes not making it to 22 because that would have yeah. been a really tough call it would have been a really tough call for the ravens to, to, to pick either him or flowers i think they've got a good player don't don't get me wrong but i'm hearing the same you know unbelievably good things about emmanuel Forbes coming out of the commander's camp and he's one of the players i really want to get a look at this week
3: well you know that the Costa liked him he doesn't usually let off like who he likes, but when he's like, "I think this was a savvy pick," I'm like, "He probably was in the top ten for the Ravens, and they yeah. just, they, yeah." I mean, he was obviously a very good player. I know that you coveted him, and I thought he was great too. So, yeah. Anyways, th- th- I I was surprised by the the fall of of Ringa, and I think that that might have been there might have been some injury or something
2: behind the scenes we didn't know about. But yeah. anyways, is it is. What it I, is. I, we we did hear that he looked fine to you know last night he looked absolutely fine so just uh, what
3: matters right so <laughs>
2: yeah and 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 i just boy i mean every single pass it seemed like in that second half particularly the guys who didn't get targets was a pass defense on a contested catch where the the eagles defensive back was right on top of the ravens receiver and it just wasn't a, and you know it, you're just throwing your arms up saying you know why can't the ravens get any of these guys anyway it is what it is uh, sure, we know yeah. the re- we know the real reason we got Roquan Smith and that's the reason we didn't have a whole lot of draft capital this year. So it's not like I'm not aware, but it's, uh, it still kind of yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, Alec, I tell you what, I, it's been great discussing this with you. We're going to come back and discuss individual players in part two, individual performances and hand out our MVPs. So, uh, tell folks first where they can talk football with you online.
3: Sure. Yeah. You can find us at one winning pod on Twitter and that's our web address as well. One winning pod. Uh, we do a pretty much weekly show. That we'll do two two episodes once the season really starts up in earnest. And we had a lot of really cool episodes uh, with some guests the last couple of weeks. We had uh, you on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jason from Hall of Films, and um, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, we've been enjoying the off season, and getting it's unbelievable that we're now in preseason. It's kind of like wow, you know, we're doing a preseason recap shows. It's 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 happening. It's starting up. Football's here.
2: Yeah it's it's uh, it's definitely grinding up there's no doubt about it. Maureen and I have been working uh, it's it's been basically 26 hours since the the game ended a little bit mm-hmm. less in fact and we've been working on the football the entire time. So yeah. it's uh, it's it's been a, a quite a long stretch and it ends up being a grind and I I think actually the preseason is is tougher than the regular season but the regular season involves some travel as that makes mm-hmm. it a little tougher then. Yeah anyway one winning pod. Give uh, give Alex' show a listen, please. If you're out there and you're interested in being a film study short, sure. you just want to have some topic you want to discuss with me, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, I've had a lot of people come to me just recently with topics and there is still time to get topics out there, particularly between the end of the preseason schedule and the beginning of the regular season, kind of like a second mini dead zone that there'll be some opportunities to do some shows. Uh, Hit me up with your idea on Twitter by DM. I'll get back to you. I promise right away. And we'll see if there's a kernel of a, of a good show there that will be uh, interesting and something fun to talk about. Alec, thanks again for coming on. We'll see you back for part two in a few minutes. Thanks Ken. I'll talk to you next time on film study.